Welcome back to the Homestyle MMA Podcast. Sean Van Buren here for episode 28. Shout out to all the homies checking this out right now. I appreciate all of you. And today we're talking about the upcoming 2022 PFL Championships, where we will see six title fights, all for $1 million. Before we dive into that, it's time for the rapid recap of last Saturday, UFC Fight Night Lewis versus Spivak. Let's dive into it. We lost our main event an hour before the start of the main card on Saturday, which was definitely disappointing, but this card was full of really close fights. Not a ton of finishes, but those we got were impressive. Let's dive into it with Natalia Silva versus Teresa Bleda. Silva looked faster with her striking, but much of this fight took place in the clinch, with each fighter going for takedowns. Silva eventually got the takedown in round one, but Bleda rolled through, ended up on top, and the rest of the round took place on the ground. It seemed that Bleda was the more skilled fighter on the ground and threatened multiple submission attempts while there. Natalia Silva survived round one and snapped back in round two. She landed a massive power strike to start round two that snapped the head of Bleda back. It was clear that Silva's advantage was on the feet and Bleda's in the clinch or on the ground. Blada was getting worn out with all of the wrestling, and her hands started to drop late in round two as she began to show some of that visible fatigue. In round three, Natalia Silva found the highlight reel knockout that she was searching for. Silva threw a spinning back kick as Blada dropped down for a takedown, and Silva's heel connected right to the chin of Blada. She basically dropped right into the kick. Brady Highstand versus Fernie Garcia. Garcia landed a powerful punch to start this fight. It actually sat down Brady literally within 10 seconds of this fight. Brady turned it into a takedown, but then was put in a deep choke attempt that he battled through. All of that within the first minute of this fight. Brady was almost finished twice, and Fernie Garcia showed that he also had very impressive grappling, which was not good for our Brady high stand bets, because I thought that Brady would overwhelm Garcia with his wrestling. This fight was all action start to finish, fantastic fight. Brady ended round one with a lot of control time from his wrestling, but this was a super close fight through one. Fernie Garcia was a little sharper on the feet in this fight, even though he took a few pretty heavy leg kicks to the head. Garcia was accurate when he would throw. He would show that he was a better wrestler than expected, but it wasn't enough in this one. He showed that he was a pretty good striker, but as we predicted, Brady Highstand wrestled his way to a win. Vanessa Demopoulos versus Maria Oliveira. Oliveira has done what I've seen from her in her last few fights. She has extremely long arms, but she fights at medium range. She could pump her jab out from a really far away distance, but instead she comes in just a little bit and made the distance not as far as it could be for Vanessa Demopoulos to overcome. Because of that, Demopoulos got the takedown on her first attempt and landed straight into side control. This was exactly why we didn't bet Oliveira in this fight. I had a lot of concerns for if slash when this fight hit the ground. Vanessa worked ground and pound and submissions when she got this fight to the ground, and Oliveira looked like she was just trying to survive on the ground. No significant attempts to escape and get back to her feet at all, and that is how the round ended. In round two, Vanessa Demopoulos landed a powerful strike that actually dropped Oliveira. She jumped on Oliveira to get top position and went to work on the ground. 
Oliveira was the better striker, I think, generally, but she simply had no answers when Demopoulos would take her down. Vanessa Demopoulos got the fairly easy decision win, and Ricky Tercios versus Kevin Dad followed that up, and the intense, rapid action that we've come to see, the high-energy Ricky Tercio fights that we've come to expect, took place yet again. Crazy striking exchanges got this fight to the ground within a minute into this fight, with Tercios in a dominant position. Dad did seem to want to wrestle in this fight, but Ricky Tercios, he's just got some crazy jiu-jitsu moves on the ground with excellent flow. This was a wild fight start to finish, but that is what we've come to expect from Tercios fights. And Dad was willing to engage in this chaos, which made for just a crazy fight between these two fighters. Dad seemed like the fresher fighter entering round two, and he landed a powerful left hook on Ricky that had him absolutely stunned. Ricky fired back late in round two with some power right hands of his own. Very high action and energy fight that was very close. I did notice an issue with Ricky that he's going to need to fix for his next fight. I noticed that he dips his head often when dodging shots, and he needs to be careful of knees in the future, because Dad saw it too and landed a jump knee to the head of Ricky and then started throwing them more and more and more in round three. He drops his head when dodging shots, but also when he throws his punches, he tends to dip his head really low to the opposite side. So overhand right, really low to the left, overhand left, or, you know, any kind of left shot dips it really low to the right. You could time a kick, time a knee, really cause some problems for Ricky. So I hope his coaches start to work on that as it was something that we were able to see just from sitting here at home on the couch. So Ricky has to make that change, work on his head movement in future fights, but he got the back, secured a body lock, and started working for the finish with a minute left in the fight. Absolutely incredible fight. Uh, it really was fantastic start to finish. Vince Morales versus Miles Johns. This fight seemed super slow after the all-action battle right before this. Not much to say with only 17 total strikes landed in the first round. Fairly even totals. Johns landed the higher impact shots, so I guess he won round one. The second round was also close with each fighter throwing a strike or two and then resetting. Johns got a takedown at the end of the round, so I had him up 20-18 to 18 entering the third. And what was a fairly uneventful fight to that point. Miles Johns got the decision win. Not much more to say about that fight. Jennifer Maya versus Marina Moroz. These ladies, these ladies picked the pace back up, and Jennifer Maya's striking was very accurate to start this fight. Maya landed often, landed with power, and she would throw her right hand, and it seemed to connect every single time in round one. Surprisingly, this fight never hit the mats in round one. I thought that the jujitsu and wrestling exchanges would be really fascinating between these two fighters. But Moroz came out in round two with a little more forward pressure, and she had a bit more success striking moving forward and driving Maya backwards. But it didn't seem to matter. Maya didn't miss a beat. She kept landing her shots, kept landing her punches early and often. Maya was throwing with a lot of power still through two rounds, and she was inflicting even more damage. Moroz ended the round well, and may have stolen the very close round to have it tied up entering the third. Round two was super close either way, though. Moroz had her best striking in round three once Maya started to slow down in fatigue. Another exceptionally close fight. Marina Moroz needed to mix it up just a little bit more, though. She mostly just attacked with punching combos. Jennifer Maya looked sharp on the feet for the decision win. I think that fight could have gone either way. Not upset about it. 
Ultimately, Jennifer Maya looked better overall throughout the whole fight, so I think it was the right decision. Charles Johnson versus Zalgas Zumagulov was actually moved to the main card. Zalgas got going first with his striking, while Charles Johnson was working to find his distance. Zalgas, while being significantly shorter, smaller in reach, was just overwhelming Johnson to start this fight with his pace and volume striking. He clearly had the speed advantage. He even landed some power shots against Johnson as well in round one. Charles Johnson simply has to work his long-range weapons more frequently in future fights. He had a huge reach advantage, and he just didn't use it enough. Johnson, he kept fighting in punching range of Zalgas, which is really tight for him. It was really tight distance right at the range Zalgas wanted and not at Charles Johnson's range that he wanted because he had those significant height and reach advantages. Great and close first round, but I did give it to Zalgas Zumagulov with more volume and impact overall. This fight was just it was weird. It was plagued by eye pokes and groin shots as both fighters impacted each other with each. Round two was also very close with Zalgas getting a takedown, which may have been the difference in that round in my opinion. This fight, again, another super close fight to score, really could have gone either way through the first two rounds. Johnson took a really hard low leg kick to start round three, and he was losing the ability to use his right leg. He kept trying to stomp it out as the fight went on, trying to regain the nerves, regain the feeling back in that leg. Just, again, a really weird fight. Very impressive fight for Zumagulov overcoming the length disadvantages to make it this close. This should have been a fairly easy work fight for Charles Johnson since Zalgas didn't wrestle much either, which is, I think, a potential weakness for Charles Johnson. Somehow, the judges gave the split decision to Charles Johnson. I think ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, I'll cash that ticket, but the judges got it wrong. Jack Della Maddalena versus Danny Roberts. Jack brought the power with his first two punches. Jack started ripping combos to the head and body of Danny Roberts when he got Roberts backed up against the cage, scored a bunch of points, and Roberts just barely survived this initial onslaught. Then Jack De La Maddalena landed another power shot in the feet that dropped Danny Roberts. He jumped on top, trying to finish the fight. Frankly, I thought it could have been stopped there, but eventually they returned to the feet. Jack De La Maddalena just simply couldn't miss with his strikes, and you could see that he hit with extreme force. Jack finished this fight in no time at all. Over 40 significant strikes landed in under three and a half minutes. First round knockout, like I told you he would get last week on the last episode of the podcast. He started it off by ripping a hook to the body, then going up top to get the knockout win. This fight was bad for Danny Roberts the entire time, and Jack De La Maddalena got yet another first round knockout, just like we predicted, like I said on last week's episode of the podcast. Andre Fialho versus Muslim Salikov. As expected, these fighters threw with bad intentions. Super heavy strikers with tons of power. Salikov used a bit more of an MMA approach, while Fialho mostly used his punching combos in round one. Salikov got a takedown in round one, which was a bit surprising because I thought that this would be a slugfest on the feet. Great first round, though, with a ton of action on the feet. I gave round one to Fialho because he landed the most impactful shot with a right hook that swelled up Muslim Salikov's eye almost entirely shut. Salikov landed a spinning back fist and a spinning heel kick in round two. Salikov had some awesome spinning attacks on the feet that carried a lot of power. Muslim Salikov dropped Fialho with a heavy punch, clearly knocked his equilibrium off just a little bit. Salikov jumped on top, tried to get the finish in this fight, but won a very dominant round two. 
Falhill kind of seemed like he was saved by the bell in round two. Muslim Salikov did not let up, continued to lay on the offense in round three. Muslim Salikov landed a spinning back heel kick to the head, and the ref called a standing TKO in round three to end the fight. Shalho was just out on his feet. Third round knockout win for Muslim Salikov. Good stoppage by this referee. Chase Sherman versus Waldo Cortez Acosta. Chase Sherman ripped some heavy calf kicks to start this fight, and both fighters looked fast for so much power that they contained. Each punch made an audible sound when it would connect. Lots of tension in this fight. Chase Sherman had slick movement to start round one, just barely sliding out of danger and slipping his head side to side. Cortez Acosta landed more significant strikes, but I felt that Sherman landed more impactful strikes and got a late takedown to secure that round. Round 2 started off with Cortez Acosta unloading a barrage of strikes with both power and speed, but Chase Sherman survived the onslaught, and Cortez Acosta began to look a little bit tired. His hands started to drop, his power was still plenty there, though. Frankly, both fighters really started to look tired here. Cortez Acosta was landing tons of overhand right-hand shots. Sherman has... Frankly, a fantastic chin to take as much damage as he did to the head. Every shot that Cortez Acosta landed that he threw, particularly his hooks, seemed like they were all landing to the head of Sherman, all with power, so much power in his punches. And if Chase Sherman didn't have the chin that he had, he could have been knocked out. I think if Aldo Cortez Acosta was fighting almost anyone else on that night, he would have got a knockout victory. Waldo Cortez Acosta got the easy decision victory after round one. Kennedy Jachuku versus Ian Kutalaba. Both fighters landed some powerful punches within the first 30 seconds of this fight, but then Ian Kutalaba started working for the wrestling takedowns and got one. I was worried about the wrestling for Kennedy Jachuku in this fight, and he was in a bad spot on the ground two minutes into this fight. Kennedy worked his way back up to the feet, but this maintained a wrestling matchup for the rest of round one. A lot of clinch exchanges, a lot of wrestling takedowns for Kutalaba. Kutalaba got a few more takedowns, and it was just all him in round one. If this fight stayed a wrestling battle, then Jachuku would be in trouble. He knew that. He went to his corner. He listened to his coaches. And in round two, Kennedy Jachuku timed a perfect knee to the head of Kutalaba when Ian Kutalaba shot in for a takedown. So Kutalaba dove in at the legs of Kennedy Jatuku, and he threw a knee up, caught him right in the head. Beautiful strike, and then he just poured it on after that. Jatuku chased the knockout win with a second knee to the head of Kutalaba, and he got that knockout win in the second round with ground and pound when Kutalaba finally went down. Second round knockout win for Kennedy Jatuku. We didn't know it entering Saturday, but that ended up being our main event. Derek Lewis versus Sergey Spivak. The fight was canceled due to a Derek Lewis non-COVID and non-weight cut related illness. The fight was canceled just an half an hour before the start of that main card. So brutal loss for the fans that weekend as far as losing that fight. I feel particularly bad for Sergey Spivak. This, I believe, was his first main event appearance. So I'm sure he was very excited. I'm sure he worked very hard. I feel a little bit bad for him, but I guess that is what it is. That wraps up our rapid recap. Let's take a look at our bets. All right, taking a look at our bets, we start off with Natalia Silva versus Teresa Bleda. We were leaning Natalia Silva, but we did not take a bet in that fight. 
Brady Highstand versus Fernie Garcia. We went with Brady Highstand, money line minus 165 for the win. Vanessa Demopoulos versus Maria Oliveira. I told you guys I was leaning Maria Oliveira, but we didn't bet it because of the jiu-jitsu skill of Demopoulos, and I was worried about the takedowns. Turns out I was had all the necessary uh, appropriate worry for this fight, and uh, I'm very glad we didn't bet Maria Oliveira because as soon as she got taken down, she was stuck. Ricky Tercios versus Kevin Natividad. We took Ricky Tercios' money line minus 150 for a win. Vince Morales versus Miles Johns. I told you we were leaning Miles Johns, but we didn't bet it. Turns out that would have been a win, but I was fine with not betting that fight. That was not that great of a fight. Jennifer Maya versus Marina Moroz. We had Marina Moroz money line minus 185 for our first loss of the night. For the main card, Charles Johnson versus Zalgas Zumagulov. We had Charles Johnson money line minus 165 for the win. Jack Della Maddalena versus Danny Roberts. We got a little aggressive here. We went Jack Della Maddalena by knockout for going back for more two-unit bet at minus 167, and we did get that win with the first-round knockout. Andre Fialho versus Muslim Salikov. We went with Andre Fialho money line minus 105, which was a loss, but we also took this fight to not go the distance for minus 167, which was a win. So those kind of evened out just a little bit. Chase Sherman versus Waldo Cortez Acosta. We had Chase Sherman money line plus 180 as an unfortunate loss there. And Kennedy Jachuku versus Jan Kutalaba. We had Kennedy Jachuku money line minus 165 for the win. Now we had Sergei Spivak by finish in the original main event, but that was voided due to the fight being canceled. Still a good weekend for us. For the UFC, we were up 1.28 units. We went 6-3. and three. Our going back for more bets went 1-1. One for one. The Homestyle Perfect Plate Parlay of Brady Highstand money line, Jack Della Maddalena money line, and Sherman versus Cortez Acosta fight to not go the distance at plus 161. Unfortunately lost, broke our streak of winning our parlays. We had a few in a row that we'd won. That was so close to cashing. Cortez Acosta, super close to finishing that fight, but Chase Sherman is just a beast and he could really take a hit. That wraps up our bets from last Saturday. Let's do our verdict review, give out some awards, and look forward to this really exciting PFL Saturday, PFL Friday, excuse me, coming up in just a few days. For verdict, we were back on the podium, back to our medal-winning ways. We got a silver medal for finishing in the top 40% of predictions. Our biggest hitters were Jack Della Maddalena by first round knockout. We had 450 experience points on that. Check all those three boxes. And Kennedy Jachukwu by knockout for 250 experience points. We got a good bit of points from that, but we did have third round instead of second round finish. So we missed out on just a little bit there. All in though, great to be back in the podium for verdict. Back with getting a silver medal. For the Homestyle MMA Podcast Awards, the Mac and Cheese UFC prelims performance of the night. We went with Natalia Silva with her spinning back kick knockout win and our chicken and dumplings UFC main card performance of the night. We went with Kennedy Jachukwu for coming back from losing round one by wrestling to winning by second round knockout. He had a game plan to counter those takedowns by throwing knees once he went to the corner and talked with his team after round one, and he timed the knee perfectly to defend a takedown and get the knockout in our last minute main event boost that finishes up our entire review of last saturday it is finally time let's talk pfl
We're going to start it off with the PFL showcase fights. These are going to start at 5.30 on Friday. And again, this is the 2022 PFL Championships pay-per-view night. So all of these fights are going to be spectacular. But these PFL showcase matchups are free to you as long as you have ESPN+. Starts us off with Dakota Decheva versus Catherine Corojenes. Women's flyweight bout here with 6-0 Decheva and 3-0 Catherine. Dakota Decheva is an inch taller with 5 inches in reach advantage. She made her PFL debut with a first-round knockout via knee to the liver of her opponent just earlier this year. Decheva has finished five of her six pro fights, and her last three opponents are a combined 17-4, and four, which is a pretty strong record. Corotojones is making her PFL debut and has an incredibly challenging matchup ahead of her. Two of her previous opponents were making their pro MMA debuts when she fought them. Catherine Corojenes just does not have the experience to take on Dakota Decheva. Decheva wins this fight likely by finish. Magomed Magomed Keremov versus Gleason Tibau. Catchweight fight between two MMA veterans. Magomed Keremov is 5 inches taller and has a 2 inch reach advantage. Magomed was the 2018 PFL welterweight world champion. He lost the 2021 welterweight championship but he has had a ton of success in the PFL, clearly. He won his 2022 PFL fight by second-round knockout, and he's a very skilled striker. Gleason Tibau lost his only 2022 PFL matchup in a controversial decision. Tibau uses wrestling aggressively to try to win fights, and I think Magomed will strike well from distance on the feet, force takedown attempts from far away from Gleason, and I think Magomed will handle his own on the ground. Magomed Magokaramov will get the win here. Following that is Natan Schult versus Jeremy Stevens. Lightweight bout with similar sized fighters. 2018 and 2019 PFL lightweight world champion Natan Schult goes up against former UFC veteran Jeremy Stevens. Both fighters went 1 and 1 in the PFL regular season. Jeremy Stevens was in a fight of the night war for his regular season loss. That was very close, and Nathan Schultz's loss was an extremely close split decision against a fighter who is now in the championship fight. Schulte uses a full arsenal of MMA heat to attack his opponents, while Stevens is mostly just a striker. I think the wrestling of Schultz will be the difference in this fight. I think that he will even be fairly matched up with Stevens on the feet. I think that this could be another great battle. But ultimately, Nathan Schultz will get the win with some well-timed takedowns. Shaman Morais versus Marlon Morais. One Morais will win, one will lose. Featherweight bout with Shaman gaining 2 inches in height and 5 inches in reach. Marlon Morais retired from MMA with the UFC and was quickly scooped up by the PFL. Here is my concern. My concern is that the PFL pulled him out of retirement by offering him a lot of money but I'm a little worried that he was prepared to stop fighting physically. Marlon lost his last four fights all by knockout and all at bantamweight. He wouldn't have to cut much at all for this fight, which may be advantageous, but he has been in a ton of vicious UFC wars over his career. Shaman will use wrestling with his striking, while Marlon is mostly a very fast kickboxer. I think Marlon Marais will do well in the striking exchanges on the feet, but Shaman Marais will get a few key takedowns that will help him find the win. 
Again, my big worry in this fight is more that I think Marlon Marais was prepared to step away from the fight game. PFL gave him a bag, and he said, oh, okay, maybe I'll come back. If your heart's not in this sport, it could be really dangerous. So that wraps up our PFL showcase. Let's go ahead and talk about the highly anticipated PFL pay-per-view championships that we have been building up for all year long. It would be a pretty massive understatement to say that I'm excited about the PFL Championship pay-per-view. <laughs> uh, it starts at 8 o'clock Eastern time. This is just going to be phenomenal. So to explain to you the PFL program again, it's the Professional Fighters League ran by Disney ESPN, where there is a season, a postseason, and a championship. So during the season, these fighters fought in the same weight class, got points based on if they won and the method of their victory, if they got a finish, depending on the round. It's a points-based system that's really fascinating. You can go back and listen to previous podcast episodes where I talk about the PFL if you'd like a further breakdown on the scoring. But the top scoring fighters then get to go to the playoffs, whether it's a winner-take-all, moving-on uh, type of bracket, if you will. And we've now reached our championship, where we will crown a weight class champion, but also one thing kind of unique to the PFL, the winner of the championship at the end of their seasons wins a $1 million check. You win a million dollars and a world championship belt. I love the PFL system. I think it's phenomenal. You should definitely watch these fights if you want to get an idea of how the PFL works. This is very high skill. It's not the UFC. Everyone has them as the gold standard in skill. But I'm telling you, these fighters are really good. We have guys who fought in the UFC and the PFL. This is, these guys have a lot of skill. They really do. I would definitely check these out. But let's go ahead and dive into the matchups. I'm rambling here. I'm just excited. I cannot wait for the PFL Championship pay-per-view matchups. So all of these fights, by the way, are going to be championship fights except for one in this pay-per-view. So I'll highlight that fight when we get there. But we start off with Robert Wilkinson versus Omari Akhmedov. Our first championship fight of the night is in the light heavyweight division with Wilkinson gaining three inches in height and a massive nine inches in reach advantage. Both fighters are 3-0 in 2022. This fight is going to be awesome and a great way to kick off the pay-per-view. I have been on the Omari Akhmedov train since his move to the PFL from the UFC. But I am unfortunately getting off here <laughs> because Robert Wilkinson is extremely talented. He also fought in the UFC, but Wilkinson has finished 15 of his 16 pro wins, while Akhmedov has finished 14 of his 24, so something to keep an eye on there. Both fighters like to stand and strike, but I do think that Robert Wilkinson will have a slight advantage with wrestling and jiu-jitsu. Akhmedov fought in the UFC at middleweight before moving to light heavyweight in the PFL. Robert Wilkinson's last loss was against Former UFC middleweight champion Israel Adesanya, so another fighter who moved up in weight class. Wilkinson has won five straight MMA fights. He's won a boxing win and two kickboxing wins since that last loss. Robert Wilkinson has been knocking out everybody these days. Akhmedov has three knockout losses and the thing to keep an eye on, two submission losses. And I think Robert Wilkinson will get the win and find another finish here in this fight. He's just too large compared to Akhmedov from a length standpoint to stand and strike. And I also think that Wilkinson will smother Akhmedov on the ground. And again, 
keep an eye on those two submission losses for Akhmedov. Don't be surprised if Wilkinson finds a way to submit him in this championship as well. Next up, we have Sadabusi versus Delano Taylor for the Welterweight Championship. Sadabusi is 3-0 in 2022 against 2-1 Delano Taylor. Sadabusi is a veteran of the PFL playoff with a semifinalist finish as a middleweight in 2018 and in 2019 and 2021 being a welterweight quarterfinalist. This is his first finals appearance in MMA, but Sadabusi is a former world kickboxing champion. His MMA style really has developed in recent years with incorporated wrestling to his variable striking arsenal. But here's the deal, guys. Delano Taylor got a shot for the playoffs on short notice, stepped in as a replacement fighter, and he got a knockout win in the first round. This will be an exciting fight because neither fighter will go for takedowns, I don't think. Delano Taylor may go for one or two to mix it up. Sadabusi really just wrestles defensively to keep the fight standing. So Delano Taylor might get a takedown or two, but this is mostly going to be a striking battle. Sadabusi is more of a point fighter, striking from range, while Delano Taylor carries more power with his punches. I've been disappointed in some of Sadabusi's performances leading up to this fight because I just felt like he didn't use his length advantages well, and he doesn't even have any length advantages in this fight. Typically, Sadabusi has a reach advantage that's huge because he's a really tall guy, really long guy, but so is Delano Taylor. They're probably the longest welterweights in the PFL. I think Delano Taylor keeps his momentum going for a win, likely by decision for a Cinderella run to become a $1 million champion. Our next championship fight follows that with Olivier Albin Mercier, OAM versus Stevie Ray. So this is the lightweight championship with 3-0 in 2022, OAM against 2-1 Stevie Ray. I was on the OAM train earlier this year, and I'm not getting off this one. <laughs> OAM is a lightning fast striker with the fastest punch speed this season with a 29.93 mile per hour strike, almost 30 miles per hour. He's undefeated since coming to the PFL from the UFC. He landed two knockdowns in his last fight as well. I think OAM has the power and striking advantages on the feet, but you need to be very careful if you hit the mats with Stevie Ray. Stevie Ray is an excellent jiu-jitsu submission fighter, but he can also stand and strike pretty well. Stevie Ray doesn't go for many takedowns, but he fights well once the fight hits the ground. So Stevie Ray does want to strike first, but if the fight hits the ground, he's perfectly comfortable there. He will go for submissions. He will try to find the win on the ground. So because of that, I do think they will stand and strike for the majority of each round. And then OIM will get late round takedowns to try to score points while reducing the amount of time that Stevie Ray can work for submissions. I'm going with OIM for the win. I think this one could likely go to a decision. So this is where we break up our championship fights. We have Aspen Ladd versus Julia Budd. It's the only non-championship fight on the pay-per-view, welcoming former UFC fighter and PFL newcomer Aspen Ladd against the 2 inches taller and 4 inches longer Julia Budd. So here's the deal. This fight is at featherweight. Julia Budd lost her lightweight fight earlier in 2022, so she'll be now dropping down to featherweight for this fight. And then on the opposite side, interestingly, Aspen Ladd had a bunch of weight misses and bantamweight in the UFC, and she's moving up to featherweight for the PFL, which is her more natural weight class. 
Aspen Lad's on a two-fight losing streak, has only won one of her last four fights. I'm a bit concerned about the size differences here. Bud is already taller, longer with her reach. She's going down in weight, and Aspen is going up. I think Julia Bud on fight night will be much larger, and Aspen Lad likes to wrestle to win fights, and it's just going to be harder to wrestle a fighter that I think could be a lot bigger than she is. I don't think she'll find much success against the larger Julia Bud, and I think Julia Bud will get the win and ruin the PFL debut of Aspen Lad. Back to our championship matchups, we have Ante Deliha versus Mateusz Scheffel for the heavyweight championship, where we have the three inches taller and longer, 3-0 Ante Deliha versus 2-1 Mateusz Scheffel. Deliha was the 2021 heavyweight championship finalist, and he is back this year to finish the job. This fight does not go the distance. Deliha and Scheffel fought in their first regular season matchup of the year earlier this year, and Deliha got a second round knockout win. I don't see any reason why that won't happen again. Deliha has a ton of power. Scheffel packs a punch as well with 12 of his 17 wins by knockout, but I don't think that he has the speed or power advantage in this fight. Deliha also will have the ability to take this fight to the ground if he wants to. Scheffel does not typically go for takedowns, and I could see Ante Deliha following a striking combo with a takedown, getting him to the ground, beating him up down there. I think once Ante Deliha gets this fight to the ground, I think that it'll be over, and he will finish it with a ground and pound. Mateo Scheffel had a great run in the heavyweight division, getting his chance as a fill-in fighter for the playoffs, but I think that he comes crashing back down to earth with a knockout loss. Each of Scheffel's last two losses have been by knockout, and I don't think that Ante Deliha will even take as long to finish this fight this time around. He might get it, I think, in the very first round, get the knockout win. Two fights remaining on our pay-per-view, stacked pay-per-view from the PFL. We have Brandon Lofnane versus Bubba Jenkins in the featherweight championship that matches us two 3-0 and 2022 fighters. This is just going to be a really fun fight for the fans. I think this could be the best championship fight that we have on the docket here as far as skill level and the even talent of both fighters. These fighters have a lot of respect for each other, and this is just a great stylistic matchup as well. These fighters are the best wrestlers in the PFL featherweight division, and now they're matched up for $1 million. Both Lofnane and Jenkins lost in the 2021 semifinals, and they're both looking to capture the belt this year. In the 2022 season, Lofnane completed 16 of 26 takedowns, while Jenkins completed 24 of 30. Incredibly aggressive wrestling attack from both of these guys they're offensive wrestling machines and i think that brendan lofnane will be a little bit better on the feet with his striking but bubba jenkins will be a little bit better at wrestling bubba jenkins is a former d1 collegiate wrestling champion even their punching stats from the 2022 season are outrageous bubba jenkins landed 238 out of 510 strikes and Lofnade landed 327 out of 698. They each landed 66 total ground strikes. This will be all action, high speed, high intensity fight from start to finish. I think that they are both so skilled that this fight will go the distance, with Bubba Jenkins getting the win in a very close, razor close fight, maybe even a split decision, because they're almost the same fighter. <laughs> their styles are so similar, their stats are so similar. This is just going to be an awesome fight. 
but I do think Bubba Jenkins will get the very close decision win. I think it will be the closest championship fight and has the potential to be the fight of the night. That takes us to our headlining fight for this pay-per-view. Kayla Harrison versus Larissa Pacheco. The night ends with the queen, Kayla Harrison, 3-0 in 2022, fighting for the Women's Lightweight Championship against the red-hot 3-0 Larissa Pacheco. Harrison is two inches taller, but is giving up three inches in reach. Kayla Harrison, guys, she's a problem. (laughs) She won the 2019 and 2021 PFL Women's Lightweight World Championships, and she's looking to defend her title and become a three-time champion. Kayla Harrison is one of the best pound-for-pound female fighters across MMA at 15-0 and being a two-time Olympic judo gold medalist. This is actually a bad blood fight as well because Harrison won the 2019 championship against Pacheco and beat her in the regular season of that year as well, but both by decision, which is interesting. Because Harrison has finished 12 of her 15 fights, but both of her two fights against Pacheco went to the decisions, so they are a lot closer than it seems. Kayla Harrison knows that wrestling is her strength against potentially any female fighter on the planet, and she uses it to win fights. In the 2022 season, she went 24 for 24 on her takedown attempts. Her first win went to a decision, and she followed that up with a first-round knockout and a first-round submission. I know it all sounds scary. I'm talking about the big bad wolf that is the queen, Kayla Harrison. I take nothing away from her. Don't sleep on Larissa Pacheco. Pacheco was the number one seed, women's lightweight, for the 2022 season with two first-round knockouts and followed that up with a first-round knockout in the semifinals of the playoffs. Pacheco has finished 17 of her 18 pro wins. Larissa Pacheco is predominantly a stand-up fighter with the most power in her punches out of any female fighter in the PFL. She's on a five-fight first-round knockout win streak, with her last two losses being against Kayla Harrison back in 2019. In their two meetings in 2019, Kayla Harrison landed 7-for-8 takedown attempts and dominated ground control. Kayla Harrison has been getting better at MMA, undoubtedly. Trust me, I'm not taking anything away from Kayla Harrison. But I think that Larissa Pacheco has been wanting this matchup since that 2019 championship loss. And she's been running through her opponents on her way to Kayla Harrison since then. I want this rivalry. I want Pacheco to give Kayla Harrison her first loss so that we can see just how impressively Kayla Harrison can bounce back. Crazy things have happened in MMA this year, and I think that Larissa Pacheco shocks the world, finds her power punch that she has found in every fight since that last loss, and gets a shocking knockout win early in round two. Our prediction is that Pacheco hits Kayla hard a few times in round one. Kayla shoots her wrestling but finds more resistance than expected and only gets one takedown in the round. Kayla wins round one still but takes more damage. And round two starts and Kayla Harrison tries to get the wrestling going early and gets knocked out with a hook or uppercut on the way in for a takedown. Let the chaos ensue. That would be crazy. It's been a crazy year for champions fighting. Pacheco's just really good. I think she could win. Kayla Harrison, like I said, one of the best female MMA fighters in the game right now. But it would be really interesting to see how she bounces back from a loss. I still think Kayla Harrison is great. I'm honestly a huge fan of Kayla Harrison. I think everything she stands for, uh, so many things about her I love. I've just been on the Pacheco train, 
since her very first fight this season. And it just seems the storyline's just there. Her, she lost the 2019 PFL championship to Kayla Harrison. And since then, she's wasted no time, first round knockout, five straight, to work her way right back to this position to try to avenge that loss. I can't wait for this fight. It's going to be awesome. But let's go ahead and take a look at our bets. So for these PFL bets, we are going to bet the showcase matchups and the pay-per-view. But as always, guys, please bet responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, call your state's hotline. So we start off with the PFL showcase matchups. Dakota Decheva versus Katharine Korohenes. We're going to go Dakota Decheva by finish, which is not available yet, but that's what we're going to take regardless of the number. Magomed Magomed Karamov versus Gleason Tabau. We're going Magomed Magomed Karamov by decision. Another one not available. We'll take it whatever the number. And Nathan Schultz versus Jeremy Stevens. Nathan Schultz by decision. We will take whatever the number. So we've got to wait on a few of these guys. Not all the lines are available. But we're getting a little bit aggressive because there are some larger favorites throughout this night. Particularly in the showcase matchups. Not as much in the championships. Our last PFL showcase matchup. Shaman Marais versus Marlon Marais. We're going with Shaman Marais. Money line minus 145. For the PFL Championship pay-per-view matchups, Robert Wilkinson versus Amari Akhmedov. We're going Robert Wilkinson by finish. Don't have that available yet, but we're going to take that. Probably should be close to even money, which will be nice. Sadabusi versus Delano Taylor. We're going with the red-hot Delano Taylor, money line plus 145. Olivier Albin-Mercier versus Stevie Ray. There's a lot I like here, so I really just want to see all the alternate lines. I think OAM will win, so we'll start there. He's a pretty big favorite, though, so I do think the fight will go the distance, but I really want to look at the over for the rounds. If I can get, like, OAM over two and a half rounds or something, I would love that if it becomes available. We're going to have to take a look at what comes out probably within the next 24 hours. Aspen Ladd versus Julia Budd, our only non-championship fight on the pay-per-view. We are going with Julia Budd, Moneyline... Let's see. I didn't grab that one yet, but we're going Julia Bud money line. I'm going to go ahead and put that bet in as soon as I'm done recording. I thought I grabbed that earlier, but uh, yeah, Julia Bud. I think she might even be an underdog, but we're going to take her to win money line. Ante Deliha versus Mateus Scheffel. We're going Ante Deliha by finish for going back for more two unit bet, regardless of what that number is. Brendan Lofnane versus Bubba Jenkins. We are going Bubba Jenkins money line plus 155. Kayla Harrison versus Larissa Pacheco. We're going for a shocker. It's been a crazy year. Why not? Larissa Pacheco, money line plus 480. Understand, Kayla Harrison has beat her twice, both times by decision. I think it's time for the change. I think Larissa Pacheco wins second round knockout, so we're going to go with her to win money line plus 480. I think if Pacheco wins, it has to be by knockout. So if you like it, if you really want a huge number, take Pacheco to win by knock- knockout. I think that's one of the only ways she can get it done. This is a reach bet. Obviously, it's plus 480, but let's give it a try, guys. Let's see what happens. For the Homestop Perfect Plate Parlay, we have Magomed, Magomed Karamov, Moneyline, Nathan Schultz, Moneyline, Anante Deliha, Moneyline. That'll give you plus 108, and that is our Homestop Perfect Plate Parlay. So like I said, guys, if this is your first time checking out 
the PFL, I think this would be a great night to tune in. The pay-per-view is really cheap, especially compared to UFC pay-per-views. It's an exciting night. I mean, there's going to be six people that walk away $1 million richer than when they started the night. And I think that's incredible. I love the PFL regular season, postseason championship. It's a really unique experience. I think it has its place in MMA. So I definitely recommend you go check out these PFL cards. Check out these PFL fights on Friday. Let's go ahead and wrap up the podcast. As always, please bet responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, call your state's hotline. I'll be posting my verdict scorecard predictions prior to the events on social media for the podcast. Please go follow at the Homestyle MMA podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and at Homestyle MMA pod on Twitter. Check out www.thehomestylemmapodcast.podbean.com for additional information about the podcast. I'm also going to be posting my lines that i have to grab late these alternate lines i told you we're gonna grab the number whatever it is i'll post what number i'm able to grab it at just so you guys know that i did actually take those bets that way we're all in this together if you enjoyed today's podcast please subscribe like comment and review next week we will do a rapid recap from this card and preview ufc fight night let me take a look at who that is i believe it's yep thompson versus holland taking place december 3rd so we'll be back over to the ufc for our next episode of the podcast till next time this was sean van buren on the homestyle mma podcast have a good one